Hi, this is Matt McClellan, and welcome to the Grower Radio Network. With me today is Scott Epps, the nursery manager at Hoffman Nursery in Rougemont, North Carolina. Thanks for being here today, Scott. Yes, uh, thank you, Matt. So, Glad to be here. So, uh, Scott has been growing ornamental grasses for quite some time, and we're going to talk about some of the trends that he has been seeing with the ornamental grasses and sedges, as well as highlighting some of the new varieties on the market that fit those trends. So, Scott, uh, did you want to start by telling me a little bit about um, what's new in the world of uh, ornamental grasses and sedges? Okay, Matt, yeah. Um, yeah, like I said, uh, like Matt said, I've been growing grasses for a long time, and, and one of the few things we've been seeing... Um, at least lately here at the nursery, are a few trends that I'd like to point out. One, the tried-and-true grasses. They've been in the market for a long time. Those, those grasses really are a, still a huge part of the grass market. You know, they're a part of that market for a reason. Uh, they've been tested and tried for many years, and they, they're found to still be very useful. And most of them, you know, they, they have a wide array of uh, uses and are very easy to work with. The other thing we're noticing um, in the grass market is really the natives they're being a, playing a bigger role in the grass world, um, and also the native cultivars. One thing we have been seeing is kind of a, a new, I don't know if to call it an explosion, but certainly an increase in the uh, cultivars and varieties of uh, the natives coming out. You know, these are selections that are better than the species and just adding a little bit more in the way of color and habit and, and um, attributes of that nature. The third trend that we're kind of seeing is with uh, sedges. Um, both with the ornamental sedges and the native sedges. Both of those are being used more extensively and really in all sorts of applications. So I'd like to talk a little bit about those, just kind of what we're seeing and and how those are being um, used as well. Okay, so uh, let's start with the the tried and true, uh, some of the, the classics that are out there. Yeah, so, um, yeah, some of, I mean, I've, one of my favorite um, tried and true grasses is the, the Calamagrasses Carl Foster. It's a wonderful plant. It's, a, it's really a cool season grass, but it's got such a, a wide range of uses. It's tough. It's got a long um, interest of uh, season. It flowers in the spring and remains uh, beautiful all season long. You know, it's great as a single specimen or as a group. So I imagine most of your listeners are probably familiar with this. This plant, it was a perennial plant of the year, um, I think, in 2001. Uh, so it's been around for a long time, but it, it's amazing. Um, it, it remains very strong today. Cells are really strong. And, and it's that way for a reason, because it's, it's proven itself. It's a really easy, uh, no-fuss grass that's tough and beautiful. So I think that's why it's um, still got the popularity today. So that's, that's kind of a really good example of what I'd call a tried-and-true grass that's kind of, it's not new, but it'll be around for quite some time because of um, its, its reliability and, and um, just interest. Excellent. Yeah, they become classics for a reason, and something that's reliable is always a, a important part of someone's landscape. Yeah, that, that's certainly true. So uh, you mentioned that there's there's an explosion in some of the native uh, cultivars of some of the native grasses that are out there. Can you tell me about a few of those? Yeah, yeah, the, the native grasses, um, obviously, they, they've been around for a long time. Um, one thing we have certainly been seeing is just kind of uh, an increase in the native cultivars of some of the, the, the grasses that have been, a while around, have been around a while. Uh, they're really starting to become improved varieties for color, for texture, um, even for hardiness. So it's kind of hard to only mention a few, but I'll, I'll go ahead. Uh, some of the ones that I like that's relatively new 
uh, the Bulua um, gracilis. There's a new uh, cultivar out called Blind Ambition, uh, which is just a spectacular little um, little plant. It's about 18 inches tall. It was um, introduced by Dave, David Salmon of High Country Gardens. And what's, um, what's interesting about this plant is it's uh, got really interesting flower heads that uh, top the plant in kind of a, I don't know, they look kind of like little mosquitoes flying over the top of the grass. But they're heavy flower sets, very drought tolerant, really just an interesting little little grass. That's, that's one that's kind of caught my eye over the past couple of years. I think it's going to be really popular. Um, a couple more that really stand out is a um, discus carium, so little blue stems, which is a native grass. It's, um, you can find it growing on in fields and along roadsides and whatnot. But there's a new variety that uh, North Creek discovered um, called Standing Ovation, which is, um, I'm not 100% sure, but I think it was a um, either a seedling of a, the blues. But regardless, it's a beautiful plant. Um, it's got great, uh, I would call vivid blue color, stands up really upright. It's got really thick stems. And what's exciting about the standing ovation um, is it's really sturdy and is not prone to flopping, which a lot of the schizcariums, um, I know um, some folks have trouble with the uh, schizcariums flopping, uh, but this particular variety stands up really strong and upright and is, uh, I don't want to call it resistant to flopping, but is, is definitely uh, not prone to flopping like some of the other ones are. Plus, it's just got beautiful um, blue color, and then in the fall, it just turns a really nice uh, mix of burgundy um, and, and just beautiful fall color as well. So that's a, uh, a new one that's out on the market. The other group of plants, the, the panicums, um, switchgrass. I'm sure most people have heard of switchgrass. In the world of switchgrass, uh, which actually switchgrass happened to be my favorite um, native grass and probably my favorite um, group of grasses. But I wanted to mention them because the panicum virgatum northwind which has been on the market for a little while, is also the uh, 2014 perennial plant of the year. And it's a great, great plant. It's an upright switchgrass. Um, gets to about um, four and a half, five feet tall. Just beautiful fall color. Um, also has many applications. I think we'll be seeing a lot more in the world of uh, panicums in terms of cultivars and, and native, uh, you know, native cultivars coming out. Okay, Scott. So are there, uh, are there any other native cultivars that growers should be interested in uh, for this uh, this next upcoming year? Um, yes, uh, yes, Matt. Um, there's a couple others that I'd like to mention. Um, and one, I'm not sure if folks will be seeing it this coming year, but it's something to look out down the road. Down here in the south, uh, the Mullenbergia capillaris, the, uh, the muley grass, the pink flowering um, grass that folks see in September, um, October, it's kind of become a staple of the landscape down here in the south. Well, unfortunately, it's, it's always had issues with hardiness. Um, it doesn't go eh, hardiness to maybe 6B or so, um, but there's an exciting new cultivar out called Aurora Borealis, which was found by uh, Bill Kalina up at the New England Wildflower Society in Connecticut. So this was growing naturally up there, and uh, what's exciting about this is a hardier version of the um, Willenbergia capillaris. Basically, it, it looks really similar, same flowers, beautiful pink flowers. From what I can tell, it seems to be a little bit shorter, uh, a little bit um, um, smaller plant, but, but the same overall look, and it's exciting because it is uh, it's hardier, so it kind of um, can open up that market for that pink flowering uh, muley grass, which is, like I said, it's outstanding when it's in flower down here in the south. 
Another plant that is fully hardy is the Sparabolus, the prairie drop seed. This is a native prairie grass. We've been growing Sparabolus for quite some time. It is a seed-grown plant, and people like it because it's very drought tolerant, very tough, very long-lived. Um, it's got a nice habit, and it's a good size. But uh, one of the issues with it is being grown from seed, there's a lot of variability in the plants. There's a new, um, relatively new, it's been on the market for a little little bit, but um, not widely available, is one called Terra. And the good thing about the um, Sparabolus heterolepis Terra is it's, it's a dwarf, more uniform, upright variety. And uh, this comes to us from Roy Diblick at Northwind Perennial Farm. And it's got a really nice, spiky, dark green habit, um, but then a really nice, heavy flower set. This is very exciting. Uh, it's certainly improved over the uh, the species. Don't get me wrong; I love the um, the prairie drop seed. The, there's definitely have room for uh, for more of those. But the Terra is a nice is definitely a nice cultivar for the prairie drop seed. So those are you know kind of a short list of uh, some new native cultivars that are that are out or either coming out. Uh, something to look forward to in that in that area. Excellent. So, is there anything that uh, that growers should know about the actual uh, the production of these particular grasses, these these cultivars? Yeah, um, for the most part, um, they're they're uh, they're easy easy to grow. You know, low maintenance. Um, for for most cases, these plants, in some cases, they're actually more vigorous than the species or than other cultivars. I'd probably say one exception would be the Terra. Um, it is a little bit slower than the species um, being grown as, uh, from division or, or vegetative versus seed. is definitely a little bit slower growing. But all the rest I mentioned, I would say that they're equally easy to grow, and in some cases maybe even a little easier. So, yeah, it's, um, I think growers will have good luck with all those. Okay, great. So um, tell me about uh, what's, what's new and some of the new uh, uh, trends and varieties out there in the sedge world. Okay, yeah, um, sedges, uh, man, where do you start with sedges? There's, <laughs> sedges is a large, large and varied group of plants. You know, they're, they're a wide array of colors, textures, habits. Um, I know here, some of the things we've been seeing, there's kind of been an explosion in the native sedge market. And native sedges, I mean, if you go out, you know, into the woods, um, along the riverbanks, you'll find native sedges growing naturally everywhere. But over the past couple of years, there's definitely been a surge in nurseries and landscapes using the native sedges. Some of the ones that I, I really am very fond of, uh, one is Carex Pennsylvanica, the Pennsylvania sedge. That one has gained a tremendous amount of popularity in the last couple of years. Um, and people like it. It's, it's a shade-tolerant ground cover, and it can be used as a lawn alternative in the shade. It's got a really nice habit, nice texture, and... It's being used in the place of, of lawns, um, really in the shade. A couple others that really stand out, one is uh, Carrot Gray Eye um, Club Sedge, which is a really interesting sedge. It's a sedge that tends to, to like wetter or more moist areas, um, can tolerate a little more sun than the uh, Pennsylvania sedge. Um, but what's interesting about this is it's a really nice dark green tough plant. Then its uh, seed pods look like clubs, basically. Um, that's where it gets its name, club sedge. Interesting plant for its, for its foliage, but really interesting for its seed pods that, that top the plant. A lot of these um, native sedges, the reason they're, they're good is they really can become kind of a backbone of, of a design or landscape. They really offer a lot of texture, subtle beauty, and warmth, um, really like few other plants can offer. 
They're good in mass. That's primarily where you'd want to see them used is in a mass planting. And they're just, just really adds a lot to the uh, to the landscape. A couple others that are interesting, the uh, Carex texiensis, Texas sedge, is really a, a low-growing, dark green sedge. It grows by rhizomes. Um, it stands at around six six inches tall or so. Uh, really interesting as a ground cover plant, a little bit more sun. Um, I wouldn't necessarily full sun in the deep south, but um, part sun. Um, it seems to be fairly tough, um, tough growing, really nice low ground cover. Another one that's uh, out there is the Carex Appalachica, um, Appalachian sedge. Really fine foliage texture, uh, low growing. There again, you'll find it in, in kind of the shady, more shadier situation, similar to the Pennsylvania sedge. But it's, these are all, they're really good for mass planting and just, just nice to um, tie a landscape together, basically. Great. Well, uh, if you want to know more about uh, ornamental grasses and sedges, uh, Scott has given a talk at the Green and Growing Show on January 14th, 9 a.m. in Greensboro, North Carolina. So uh, thanks so much for being uh, on, the, on the podcast today with me, Scott. Yes, uh, thank you, Matt. I really enjoyed it. Thanks for your time. No problem. All right, and uh, thanks again for listening to the Grower Radio Network.